Welcome in the Great Khan's Tent. History, Literature and Storytelling In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on YouTube. You can find us using this podcast name. Fear not, listeners, episodes will still be released on this podcast first, and it is only after a delay of a week that I will upload them onto YouTube. You can still find us on all your podcast providers first. Are you interested in getting the book you just published reviewed? Writing some piece of literature and need help getting it out there and promoted? Interested in sharing what piece of literature we should cover next? Well, fret not. In the Great Khan's Tent is now available on Patreon, where your contribution can help in growing this podcast. For as low as $3 a month, a price less than a good, and I mean good, cup of coffee, you can help contribute to the growth of this podcast. Every bit helps, but as always, it is not necessary to do so, but will be appreciated. Find the Patreon link on our website, on our social media accounts, or email us and we can send it to you. Thank you. If you have any suggestions, comments, or complaints, please be sure to email us at all lowercase in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. That is in the great Hans tent at gmail.com. We would love to hear from our listeners. Thank you for listening, and now on with the show. In this episode, we continue the story of Nuruddin and Anis al-Jalis with Night 36. Once again, this is another sort of morality tale warning about the wasteful spending with unreliable people or hangers-on for spending a person's wealth as in the case with Nuruddin. But once the wealth has run dry and the person needs help, they disperse and claim to not know you. As Nuruddin finds out, these sorts of friends do not help and will only hinder a person in the long run. We get a small glimpse of the slave markets that were present in Basra during the Abbasid Caliphate with a number of ethnicities present. There is a marked difference between this sort of slave trade and the transatlantic slave trade which most listeners are familiar with. This difference will be explored in an upcoming special episode later this year. As we go further in the tale, once again we encounter the Khalifa Harun al-Rashid in passing, referencing the garden that Nuruddin and Anas al-Jalis find themselves in after they had run to protect themselves from al-Mu'in ibn Sawi. The presence of Harun al-Rashid in this tale further strengthens the concept that this is one of the core stories of the 1001 Nights as the earlier tales prior to this one featured Khalifas that were the successors of Harun al-Rashid. Auzubillah min ash-shaytan nirajim Bismillahirrahman nirrahim In the name of God, the Compassionate, the Merciful. Praise be to God, the beneficent King, the creator of the universe, who has raised the heavens without pillars and spread out the earth as a bed. And blessings and peace be upon the Lord of Apostles, our Lord and Master Muhammad Wasallam, and his family. Blessings and peace enduring and constant unto the day of judgment. Of a verity, the doings of the ancients become a lesson to those that follow after, 
so that men look upon the admonitory events that have happened to others and take warning, and come to the knowledge of what befell bygone peoples and are restrained thereby. So glory be to him who hath appointed the things that have been done aforetime for an example to those that have come after. And of these admonitory instances are the histories called the Thousand and One Nights, with all their store of illustrious fables and relations. Sherzad continued. When the earth had been heaped over the corpse and his family and friends had left, Nuruddin went back home, sobbing and tearful, and reciting in his distress. They left on a Thursday evening. I said goodbye to them, and they to me. When they had turned away, my soul went with them. Return, I told it, but it said, To where should I return? To a bloodless body with no breath of life. That is no more than rattling bones. My eyes are blinded by the violence of my tears. My ears are deaf and cannot hear. Ali Nuruddin for a long time remained in a state of violent grief for the loss of his father. But as he was sitting one day in his father's house, a person knocked at the door, and he rose up and opened it, and lo, there was a man who was one of his father's intimate companions, and he kissed the hand of Nuruddin and said to him, O oh my master, he who hath left a son like thee hath not died. This is the destination of the Lord of the first and the last among mankind. O oh, my master, cheer up thy heart and give over mourning. One who has left behind a son like you is not dead, and this is a path trodden by Muhammad wasallam, the master of all generations of mankind, earlier and later. Be of good heart, sir, and abandon your mourning. And upon this, Ali Nuruddin rose and went to the guest chamber and removed thither all that he required, and his companions came together to him, and he took again his slave. Ten of the sons of the merchants became his associates, and he gave entertainment after entertainment, and began to be lavish with presents. His steward therefore came in to him, and said to him, O my master Nuruddin, hast thou not heard the saying, he who expendeth and doth not calculate is reduced to poverty. Sir, have you not heard it said that whoever spends without keeping a reckoning becomes poor before he knows it, as the poet says? I act as a guardian and defend my cash, for this I know serves as my sword and shield. If I spend it on my most bitter foes, I exchange good fortune among men for bad. I spend on food and drink with happiness, giving away no single coin. I guard my money from mean-natured folk, those people who are no true friends of mine. I like this more than saying to some low man, Give me a dirham till tomorrow in exchange for five. He would shun me, turning away his face, while my soul would be like that of a dog. Men without money are disgraced, even if their virtues shine out like the sun. The agent went on. This profuse expenditure and these magnificent presents will annihilate 
the property. But when Ali Nuruddin heard these words of his steward, he looked at him and replied, Of all that thou hast said to me, I will not attend to one word. How excellent is the saying of the poet, If I be possessed of wealth and be not liberal, may my hand never be extended, nor my foot raised. Show me the avaricious who hath attained glory by his avarice, and the munificent who hath died through his munificence. For I have heard what the poet says, If I have money which I do not give away, may my hand wither and my foot not stir. Find me a man whose meanness won him fame, or one who died of generosity. Know, O steward, he continued, that if there remain in thy hands what will suffice for my dinner, thou shalt not burden me with anxiety respecting my supper. So the steward left him, and went his way, and Ali Nuruddin resumed his habits of extravagant generosity, whenever any one of his companions said, Warily, this thing is beautiful, he would reply, It is a present to thee. And if any said, O my master, warily such a house is delightful, he would reply, It is a present to thee. He ceased not to give entertainments to his companions from the commencement of day one after another, until he had passed in this manner a whole year, after which, as he was sitting with them, he heard the slave girl recite these two verses. Thou thoughtest well of the days when they went well with thee, and feardest not the evil that destiny was bringing. Thy nights were peaceful, and thou wast deceived by them. In the midst of their brightness there cometh gloom. Anas al-Jalis came and recited, you thought well of time when time was kind. You did not fear the evils fate might bring. The nights kept peace with you. You were deceived. It is when the nights are undisturbed that distress comes. And immediately after, a person knocked at the door. So Nuruddin rose, and one of his companions followed him without his knowledge. And when he opened the door, he beheld his steward and said to him, what is the news? O oh, my master, answered the steward, that which I feared on thy account hath happened to thee. How is that? asked Nuruddin. The steward answered, Know that there remaineth not of thy property in my hands anything equivalent to a piece of silver, or less than a piece of silver, and these are the accounts of thy expenses and of thy original property. Here are the account books showing your expenditure, and here are the ones that show your original capital. When Ali Nuruddin heard these words, he hung down his head towards the ground and exclaimed, There is no strength nor power but in Allah. And the man who had followed him secretly to pry into his case, as soon as he heard what the steward had told him, returned to his companions and said to them, See what ye will do, for Ali Nuruddin hath become bankrupt. So when Nuruddin returned to them, grief appearing to them in his countenance, and immediately one of them rose, and looking towards him, said to him, O my master, I desire that thou wouldest permit me to depart. Why thus depart today? said Nuruddin. His guest answered, 
My wife is to give birth to a child this night, and it is impossible for me to be absent from her. I desire, therefore, to go and see her. And he gave him leave. Then another rose and said to him, O my master Nuruddin, I desire today to visit my brother, for he celebrateth the circumcision of his son. Thus each of them asked to leave of him deceitfully, and went his way until all had departed. So Ali Nuruddin remained alone, and he called his slave girl and said to her, O Anis al-Jalis, seest thou not what hath befallen me? And he related to her what the steward had told him. She replied, O my master, for some nights past I have been anxious to speak to thee of this affair, but I heard thee reciting these two verses. When fortune is liberal to thee, be thou liberal to all others before she escape from thee. For liberality will not annihilate thy wealth when she is favorable, nor avarice preserve it when she deserteth thee. But I heard you reciting, If the world is generous to you, be generous with your worldly goods, and give to every one before good fortune goes. Generosity will not destroy your luck, nor will meanness retain it when it turns away. And when I heard thee repeat these words, I was silent, and would not make any remark to thee. O Anas al-Jalis, he rejoined, thou knowest that I have not expended my wealth but on my companions, and I do not think that they will abandon me without relief. By Allah, said she, they will be of no use to thee. But he said, I will immediately arise and go to them, and knock at their doors, perhaps I shall obtain from them something which I will employ as a capital wherewith to trade, and I will cease from diversion and sport. So he rose instantly and proceeded without stopping until he arrived at the by-street in which his ten companions resided, for they all lived in that same street, and he advanced to the first door and knocked, and there came forth to him a slave girl, who said to him, Who art thou? He answered, Say to thy master, Ali Nuruddin is standing at the door, and saith to thee, Thy slave kisseth thy hand, looking for a favor from thee. And the girl entered and acquainted her master, but he called out to her, saying, Return and tell him he is not here. The girl therefore returned to Nuruddin, and said to him, My master, sir, is not here. And he went on, saying within himself, If this is a knave, and hath denied himself, another is not. He then advanced to the next door, and said as he had before, and the second also denied himself. And Nuruddin exclaimed, They are gone who, if thou stoodest at their door, would bestow upon thee the bounty thou desirest. They have gone, those who, when you were standing at their door, would generously give you meats and roasts. By Allah, he added, I must try all of them. Perchance one of them may stand me in the place of all the others. And he went round to all the ten, but found not that one of them would open the door, or showed himself, or even ordered him a cake of bread, and he recited the following verses. 
A man in prosperity resembleth a tree, around which people flock as long as it hath fruit, but as soon as it hath dropped all that it bore, they disperse from beneath it and seek another. Perdition to all the people of this age, for I find not one man of integrity among ten. So he recited, In his time of fortune, man is like a tree, people surround it when it bears its fruit. But when the fruit it bore has gone, they leave it to endure the heat and dust. May ill befall the children of this age, not one in ten of them has proven sincere. He then returned to his slave. His anxiety had increased, and she said to him, O my master, said I not unto thee that they would not profit thee? By Allah, he replied, not one of them showed me his face, and no one would acknowledge me. O my master, rejoined she, sell of the movables of the house a little at a time, and expend the produce. And he did so until he had sold all that was in the house, and there remained nothing in his possession. And upon this he looked towards Anas al-Jalis, and said to her, What shall we do now? It is my advice, O my master, she answered, that thou arise immediately, and take me to the market, and sell me, for thou knowest that thy father purchased me for ten thousand pieces of gold, and perhaps Allah may open to thee a way to obtain a part of this price, and if Allah have decreed our reunion, we shall meet again. But he replied, O Anas al-Jalis, it is not easy for me to endure thy separation for one hour, nor is the like easy to me, said she, but necessity is imperious. As the poet says, necessity forces men in their affairs to follow paths that do not fit good manners. When someone brings himself to do something, the reason for it matches what he does. At that, Nuruddin got to his feet and embraced Anas al-Jalis, with tears running down his cheeks like rain. He recited in his grief, Stop! Give me a glance before you go, to distract a heart close to destruction as you leave. But if you find this burdensome, then let me die of love. Do not burden yourself. And upon this he took Anas al-Jalis, his tears flowing down his cheeks, and went and delivered her to the broker, saying to him, Know the value of that which thou art to cry for sale. O my master Nuruddin, replied the broker, I know the principles of my trade. Noble qualities are held in remembrance. Is she not Anas al-Jalis, whom thy father purchased of me for ten thousand pieces of gold? He answered, Yes. And the broker thereupon went to the merchants, but he found that they had not all yet assembled, so he waited until the rest had come, and the market was filled with all varieties of female slaves, Turkish and Greek, Franks and Circassians, Nubians and Georgians, Takruris, Rumis, Tatars, and Abyssinians, and others. And when he beheld its crowded state, he arose and exclaimed, O merchants, O possessors of wealth, 
everything that is round is not a nut, nor is everything long a banana, nor is everything that is red meat, nor is everything white fat, nor is everything that is ruddy wine, nor is everything tawny a date. O merchants, this precious pearl, whose value no money can equal, with what sum will ye open the bidding for her? And one of the merchants answered, with four thousand and five hundred pieces of gold. But lo, the vizier Al-Mu'in, the son of Sawi, was in the market, and seeing Ali Nuruddin standing there, he said within himself, What doth he want here, having nothing left wherewith to purchase female slaves? Does this good-for-nothing have anything left over for buying slave girls? Then casting his eyes round, and hearing the broker as he stood crying in the market with the merchants around him, he said within himself, I do not imagine anything else than that he hath become bankrupt, and come forth with the slave girl to sell her, and if this be the case, how pleasant to my heart, how refreshing this is for me. He then called the crier who approached him and kissed the ground before him, and the vizier said to him, I desire this female slave whom thou art crying for sale. The broker therefore, being unable to oppose his wish, brought the slave and placed her before him, and when he beheld her, and considered her charms, her elegant figure, and her soft speech, he was delighted with her, and said to the broker, To what has the bidding for her amounted? The broker answered, Four thousand and five hundred pieces of gold. And as soon as the merchants heard this, not one of them could bid another piece of silver or of gold, but all of them drew back, knowing the tyrannical conduct of the vizier. Al-Mu'in, the son of Sawi, then looked towards the broker, and said to him, Why standest thou still? Take away the slave girl for me at the price of four thousand and five hundred pieces of gold, and thou wilt have five hundred for thyself. So the broker went to Ali Nuruddin and said to him, O my master, the slave girl is lost to thee without price. How so? said Nuruddin. The broker answered, We opened the bidding for her at four thousand and five hundred pieces of gold, but this tyrant, Al-Mu'in, the son of Sawi, came into the market, and when he beheld the damsel, she pleased him, and he said to me, Ask her owner if he will agree to four thousand pieces of gold and five hundred for thee, and I doubt not, but he knoweth that the slave belongeth to thee, and if he give thee her price immediately, it will be through the goodness of Allah, but I know from his injustice that he will write thee an order upon some of his agents for the money, and then send to them and desire them to give thee nothing, and every time that thou shalt go to demand it of them, they will say to thee, Tomorrow we will pay thee, and they will not cease to promise thee, and to defer from day to day, notwithstanding thy pride, and when they are overcome by thy importunity, they will say, Give us the written order, and as soon as they have received the paper from thee, they will tear it in pieces, so thou wilt lose the price of the slave. When Nuruddin therefore heard these words of the broker, he said to him, What is to be done? The broker answered, I will give thee a piece of advice, and if thou receive it from me, thou wilt have better fortune. 
What is it? asked Nuruddin. That thou come to me immediately, answered the broker, while I am standing in the midst of the market, and take the slave girl from me, and give her a blow with thy hand, and say to her, Woe to thee! I have expiated my oath that I swore, and brought thee to the market, because I swore to thee that thou shouldest be exposed in the market, and that the broker should cry thee for sale. If thou do this, perhaps the trick will deceive him, and the people, and they will believe that thou tookest her, not to the market, but to expiate the oath. This, replied Nuruddin, is the right counsel. So the broker returned into the midst of the market, and taking hold of the hand of the slave girl, made a sign to the vizier Al-Muin, the son of Sawi, saying, O my lord, this is her owner who hath just come. Then Ali Nuruddin advanced to the broker, and tore the damsel from him, and struck her with his hand, saying to her, Woe to thee! I have brought thee to the market for the sake of expiating my oath. Go home, and disobey me not again. I want not thy price, that I should sell thee. And if I sold the furniture of the house and everything else of the kind over and over again, their produce would not amount to thy price. But when Al-Mu'in the Sanasawi beheld Nuruddin, he said to him, Woe to thee! Hast thou anything left to be sold or bought? Damn you! And he would have laid violent hands upon him. The merchants then looked towards Nuruddin, and they all loved him. And he said to him, Here am I before you, and ye have all known his tyranny. By Allah, exclaimed the vizier, were it not for you, I had killed him. Then all of them made signs to one another with the eye, and said, Not one of us will interfere between thee and him. And upon this Ali Nuruddin went up to the vizier, the son of Sawi, and Nuruddin was a man of courage, and he dragged the vizier from his saddle and threw him upon the ground. There was at that spot a kneading place for mud, and the vizier fell into the midst of it, and Nuruddin beat him with his fist, and a blow fell upon his teeth, by which his beard became dyed with his blood. Now there were with the vizier ten Mamluks, and when they saw Nuruddin treat their master in this manner, they put their hands upon the hilt of their swords, and would have fallen upon him, and cut him in pieces. But the people said to them, This is a vizier, and this is the son of a vizier, and perhaps they may make peace with each other, and ye will incur the wrath of both of them, or perhaps a blow may fall upon your master, and ye will all of you die the most ignominious of deaths. It is advisable, therefore, that ye interfere not between them. And when Ali Nuruddin had ceased from beating the vizier, he took his slave girl and returned to his house. The vizier, the son of Sawi, then immediately arose, and his dress, which before was white, was now dyed with three colors, the color of mud, and the color of blood, and the color of ashes. And when he beheld himself in this condition, he took a round mat and hung it to his neck, and took in his hand two bundles of coarse grass, and went and stood beneath the palace of the sultan, and cried out, O sultan of the age, I am oppressed, 
So they brought him before the Sultan, who looked at him attentively, and saw that he was his vizier, Al-Mu'in, the son of Sawi. He said, therefore, Who hath done thus unto thee? And the vizier cried and moaned, and repeated these two verses. Shall fortune oppress me while thou existest, and the dogs devour me while thou art a lion? Shall all else who are dry drink freely from thy tanks, and I thirst in thine asylum when thou art as rain? With tears and sobs the vizier recited, Can an age in which you live wrong me, and can wolves devour me when you are a lion? The thirsty are given water from your throw. Am I to thirst under your protection when you are the rain? O my lord, he continued, thus is every one who loveth thee and serveth thee. These afflictions always befell him. And who, said the sultan, hath done thus unto thee? No, answered the vizier, that I went forth today to the market of the female slaves with the idea of buying a cookmaid, and saw in the market a slave girl the like of whom I had never in my life beheld, and the broker said that she belonged to Ali Nuruddin. Now our lord the sultan had given his father ten thousand pieces of gold to buy for him with it a beautiful female slave, and he bought that girl, and she pleased him, so he gave her to his son, and when his father died, the son pursued the path of prodigality until he sold all his houses and gardens and utensils, and when he had become bankrupt, nothing else remained in his possessions. He took the slave girl to the market to sell her and delivered her to the broker, so he cried her for sale, and the merchants continued bidding for her until her price amounted to four thousand pieces of gold, whereupon I said to myself, I will buy this for our lord the sultan, for her original price was from him. I therefore said, O my son, receive her price, four thousand pieces of gold. But when he heard my words, he looked at me and replied, O ill-omened old man, I will sell her to the Jews and the Christians, rather to thee. I then said to him, I would not buy her for myself, but for our lord the Sultan, who is our benefactor. As soon, however, as he heard these words from me, he was filled with rage, and dragged me and threw me down from the horse, notwithstanding my advanced age, and beat me, and ceased not to do so, until he left me in the state in which thou seest me. Nothing exposed me to all this ill-treatment but my coming to purchase the slave-girl for your majesty. The vizier then threw himself upon the ground, and lay weeping and trembling. Now when the sultan beheld his condition, and had heard his speech, the wane of anger swelled between his eyes, and he looked towards the members of his court who were attending him, whereupon forty swordsmen stood before him, and he said to them, Descend immediately to the house of Ali, the son of Al-Fadl, the son of Hakan, and plunder it, and demolish it, and bring hither him and the slave-girl with their hands bound behind him, drag them along their faces, and so bring them before me. They replied, We hear and obey, 
and went forth to repair to the house of Ali Nuruddin. But there was in the court of the Sultan a chamberlain named Alam Uddin Senjar, who had been one of the Mamluks of Al Fadl, the son of Hakan, the father of Ali Nuruddin. He had risen in rank until he had been employed as a chamberlain by the Sultan. And when he heard the order of the Sultan and saw the enemies prepared to slay his master's son, it was insupportable to him. So he mounted his horse and proceeded to the house of Ali Nuruddin and knocked at the door. Ali Nuruddin came forth to him, and when he saw him, he knew him and would have saluted him. But he said, O my master, this is not a time for salutations, nor for talking. Listen to what the poet said. If you meet injustice, save your life, and let the house lament its builder. You can replace the country you have left, but there is no replacement for your life. Nuruddin said, O Alamuddin, what is the news? He replied, Save thyself by flight, thou and the slave girl, for Al-Muin, the son of Sawi, hath set up a snare for you, and if ye fall into his hands, he will slay you. The Sultan hath sent to you forty swordsmen, and it is my advice that ye fly before the evil fall upon you. Then Sanjar stretched forth his hand to Nuruddin with some pieces of gold, and he counted them, and found them to be forty pieces. And he said, O my master, receive these, and if I had with me more, I would give it to thee, but this is not the time for expostulating. And upon this Nuruddin went in to the damsel, and acquainted her with the occurrence, and she was confounded and almost paralyzed with fear the two of them went forth immediately from the city and allah let down the wail of his protection upon them and they proceeded to the bank of the river where they found a vessel ready to sail the master was standing in the midst of it and saying he who hath anything to do whether leave-taking or procuring provisions or who hath forgotten aught let him do what he desireth and return for we are going and they all replied we have nothing remaining to do o master so upon this the master said to his crew quick loose the rope's end and pull up the stake cast off the moorings and up with the poles and ali nuruddin exclaimed whither o master he answered to the abode of peace baghdad night thirty six Morning now dawned, and Shahrazad broke off from what she had been allowed to say. Then, when it was the thirty-sixth night, she continued, I have heard, O auspicious Shahanshah, that the captain told Nuruddin that he was bound for Baghdad, and Nuruddin embarked and the damsel with him, and they set the vessel afloat and spread the sails, and it shot along like a bird with its pair of wings carrying them forward with a favorable wind, as has been well described by a poet. Look at a ship, a captivating sight, racing the wind as it follows its course, like a bird that has spread its wings, swooping from the air to skim the water. Meanwhile, the forty men whom the sultan had sent came to the house of Ali Nuruddin and broke open the doors and entered and searched all the chambers, but without success. 
so they demolished the house and returned and acquainted the sultan who said search for them in every place where they may be and they replied we hear and obey the vizier al-muin the son of sawi then descended to his house after the sultan had invested him with a robe of honour and said to him none shall take vengeance for thee but myself and he greeted the sultan with a prayer for long life and his heart was set at ease and the sultan gave orders to proclaim throughout the city o all ye people our lord the sultan hath commanded that whoever shall meet with ali nuruddin and bring him to the sultan shall be invested with a robe of honour and he will give him a thousand pieces of gold and he who shall conceal him or know where he is and not give information thereof will merit the exemplary punishment that shall befall him so all the people began to search for him but could not trace him such was the case with these people now as to ali nuruddin and his slave they arrived in safety at baghdad and the master of the vessel said to them this is baghdad and it is a city of security winter with its cold hath departed from it and its spring quarter hath come with its roses and its trees are in blossom and its waters are flowing and upon this ali nuruddin landed with the slave girl and gave the master five pieces of gold they then walked a little way and destiny cast them among the gardens and they came to a place which they found swept and sprinkled with long mustabas and pots suspended filled with water and over it was a covering of trellis work of canes extending along the whole length of a lane at the upper end of which was the gate of a garden but this was shut and nuruddin said to the damsel by allah this is a pleasant place and she replied o my master let us sit down a while upon one of these mustabas so they mounted and seated themselves there and they washed their faces and hands and enjoyed the current of the zephyr and slept glory be to him who sleepeth not this garden was called the garden of delight and in it was a palace called the palace of diversion and it belonged to the khalifa harun al-rashid who when his heart was contracted used to come to this garden and enter the palace above mentioned and there sit the palace had eighty latticed windows and eighty lamps were suspended in it and in the midst of it was a great candlestick of gold and when the khalifa entered it he commanded the female slaves to open the windows and ordered ishaq ibn ibrahim the cup companion to sing with them so his heart became dilated and his anxiety ceased there was a superintendent to the garden an old man named sheikh ibrahim and it happened that he went forth once to transact some business and found there persons diverting themselves with women of suspicious character whereupon he was violently enraged and having waited until the khalifa came thither some days after he acquainted him with this occurrence and the khalifa said whomsoever thou shalt find at the gate of the garden do with him what thou wilt now on this day the sheikh ibrahim went out to transact an affair of business and found the two sleeping at the garden gate covered with a single izhar and he said 
Do not these two persons know that the Khalifa hath given me permission to kill every one whom I find here? But I will only give these two a slight beating, that no one may again approach the gate of the garden. He then cut a green palm stick and went forth to them, and raised his hand until the whiteness of his armpit appeared, and was about to beat them. But he reflected in his mind, and said, O Ibrahim, how shouldest thou beat them, when thou knowest not their case? They may be to strangers, or of the children of the road, whom destiny hath cast here. I shall therefore uncover their faces, and look at them. So he lifted up the Izar from their faces, and said, These are two handsome persons, and it is not proper that I should beat them. And he covered their faces again, and approaching the foot of Nuruddin, began to rub it gently, whereupon Nuruddin opened his eyes, and saw that he was an old man, and he blushed and drew in his feet, and sitting up, took the hand of the Sheikh Ibrahim, and kissed it. And the Sheikh said to him, O my son, whence are ye? In the Great Khan's tent is now available on coffee. If you are interested in supporting this podcast, please click on the link available on our many social media platforms or email us. Why not donate to our coffee to show your appreciation? Every bit helps and we thank you for your continued support. We love that our listeners love listening to us. Welcome to the vocabulary section for this episode. First, let's look at some of the terms used in this episode. Lord of the first and last among mankind refers to the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Perdition, a state of eternal punishment and damnation into which a sinful and unpenitent person passes after death. Asylum, a place of retreat and security, or an institution providing care and protection to needy individuals such as the infirm or destitute, and especially the mentally ill. Alam al-Din Sanjar. Alam al-Din is an Arabic name meaning mark of religion. Sanjar is also an Arabic name meaning prince, emperor, king, hawk, or ruler. Mustabaz, an Arabic term for bench. Trellis, a framework of light wood or metal bars chiefly used as support for fruit trees or climbing plants. Zephyr, a soft gentle breeze. Ishaq, an Arabic name meaning one who laughs. Cup companion, a person frequently seen in the company of another. Izhar, a voluminous cotton outer garment usually white, traditionally worn by Muslim women of northern Africa and the Middle East, covers the whole body. Children of the road, means wayfarers. Trow, a long, narrow, open container for animals to eat or drink out of. Takruris, a state based in the Senegal River Valley in West Africa, with its height at the 10th and 11th centuries CE. Rumis, literally Roman, who was from the land of Rum, which is Rumelia and Anatolia. Circassians, 
people originating from the northwestern Caucasus located east of the Black Sea between Russia, Turkey, and Iran. Abyssinians, predominantly Oriental Orthodox Christian people in the highlands of Ethiopia and Eritrea, also referred to as the Habisha peoples. Nave, a dishonest or unscrupulous man. Now let's look at some of the vocabulary used in this episode. Lavish, sumptuously rich, elaborate, or luxurious. Thither, to or towards that place. Expendeth, archaic third person singular simple present indicative of expend. Profuse, exuberantly plentiful or abundant, especially of something offered or discharged. Expenditure, the action of spending funds. Avarice or avaricious, having or showing an extreme greed for wealth or material gain. Munificent or munificence, larger or more generous than is usual or necessary. Pry, inquire too closely into a person's private affair or use force in order to move or open something or to separate something from something else. Liberality, the quality of giving or spending freely. Diversion, an instance of turning something aside from its course. Perchance, by some chance or perhaps. Disperse, distribute or spread over a wide area. Imperious, assuming power or authority without justification, arrogant and domineering. Expiated. Atone for guilt or sin. Ignominous. Deserving or causing public disgrace or shame. Prodigality. Excessive or extravagant spending. Insupportable. Unable to be supported or justified. Expostulating. Expressing strong disapproval or disagreement. Ought. Anything at all. Invested. Expend money with the expectation of achieving a profit or material result, or to provide or endow someone or something with a particular quality or attribute. Exemplary. Serving as a desirable model representing the best of its kind. Contracted. Decrease in number or range. This episode has been written edited and produced by Saf Big. Thank you for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day and or night. And may the journeys on which you are set upon be fruitful. Thank you for listening.